Hey everybody, it's Joel from the Board Game Mechanics. I'm here with... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Jason, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, on this podcast we say Merry Christmas. Yeah, America. America. <laughs> I mean, I think other people outside of America say that too, but yes. Well, I mean like... Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm obviously being a little funny because that's the crowd that gets really bent out of shape about Christmas is the America crowd. Um, you know what? Like, I respect you if you don't want to say Merry Christmas, but you got to respect me if I want to say it. So that's where I'm at. Two-way street. Yeah, so no, m- I get it. Merry Christmas, Jason. Merry Christmas to you too, sir. And Merry Christmas to you and the riveted who accept that. Otherwise, I respect you not accepting that. Yeah. Happy holidays to you guys. Yeah, I'll I'll say that too. Happy holidays. Um, so cool. Yeah, I I don't know if I have any zany banter up top here. You know, we uh, I don't know. We've done a lot on social media this year, and I've really tried to keep kind of my ear to the ground on some of these Facebook groups. And like, you know what I've decided? Most of the time, it's just not worth it. Like, it's just not worth making that comment. You know, to try and correct somebody or to try and you know like fight the trolls. I'm like, it's just not worth it because they just love it, and it just. It makes things worse. So that's my New Year's resolution is not to feed the trolls. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. Like, I comment occasionally just like genuinely commenting, like saying I like something. And then it just turns into craziness. So I'm with you. I usually just observe and keep my words to myself. Yeah. But you know where our community is that you can feel like everyone knows your name and everyone's glad you're there. And we'll cheer your name when you come (laughs) in the door. It's, It's the riveted. So that's our little group over. We have our main board game mechanics page which is you know like a posting place for us really um i think i think people can post to our wall there but it kind of is hidden so people can't see it too well right but if you yeah. go over to the if you go over to the riveted and you post you pop up right there on the main page so um i know a lot of you guys have gone over there and done that and man that's really awesome i really really am enjoying that um so if you are over on the riveted say hi if you haven't said hi yet i think we've engaged a few new people this week um, really enjoy it. I got to meet one of the riveted today. Well, I met him before, but he, he swung by and, um, got to hang out a little bit with one of the guys here locally, which is really awesome. So, um, my area, my, my part of the Midwest doing a good job representing yourself and representing yourself in the riveted. So that's pretty awesome. So I, the, the really best part about that, Jason, is when we have a riveted con, like we're going to have to go geo, geocentric. So you got to drive four more miles this way than I have to drive your way. So yeah, I think I can manage. All the people in Ohio need to step up their game, though, because... Def- I know, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely the Indiana folks are uh, making us look bad right now, for sure. Yeah, hey, by the way, um, we're definitely going to get murdered in our sleep now, because they know what states we live in, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a big... They're big states, I think we'll be fine. And I'll tell you what, Jason, <laughs> if they're coming to try and murder me in my sleep to take my copy of Gugong... <laughs> They are going to be really disappointed, at least until January sometime. <laughs> yep. Jokes on them. That's just uh, Gugong Watch. We got to write that in every time. Yep. I can't. I really can't wait to get that. I'm really wanting to play that. So hopefully they get that stupid card sorted out. You know what's really fun too is when you're kind of critical of a game and then your co-host tags them and they like like your status. And I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> well, somebody didn't listen to the podcast. That's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that happens. Yeah. Uh, man, we got to figure out what board game company we're just going to like spit hate on them. I don't know. What, <laughs> what board game company does no one hate? Like, that's what we got to figure out. Start a fake rivalry with someone. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. That'd be yeah. terrible for us. Let's not do that. 
And they wouldn't listen to it anyway. It's fine. Put, put that one in the bad ideas column. <laughs> we just tag them and then they'll assume that it's good and then they'll share it around. I, you know who I would not start that with? With Stonemeyer Games. Because I'm pretty sure Jamie like doesn't sleep. Like he just 24-7 like has his ear on the pulse of the board gaming world. Like, Yeah. I mean, it probably is true. I believe that. You tag that dude in any posts at all on Facebook and it's like the bat signal. The guy shows up and like... <laughs> <laughs> clarifies rules or like you know it's just there seriously yeah. I, I like honestly i think uh if jamie stegmeyer decided that he wanted to go into like the sausage business and sell sausage instead of board games i'd become like a sausage enthusiast <laughs> just because that guy is awesome <laughs> euphoria brand sausage yeah oh that's dude, funny jackpot <laughs> and then like you can sell cocktail weenies and call it leaders of euphoria brand sausage <laughs> yeah i need it I would too. Because I'm, I'm, I'm nothing but a lemming at this point, I guess. Yep. I'm a, I'm a very good follower of the Jamie. <laughs> All right. So um, after Goo Gong uh, fulfills, I'm just going to go ahead and set up our queue for the next, next game that we're going to do our watch for. And that one is definitely going to have to be Wingspan. Like, we'll do a Wingspan watch next after that. Because if it just matches what we're, uh, what we're doing with our fanboy right now. Oh, yeah. I agree. And it, from what I've seen of it, it looks amazing. So... Yeah, I'm all in on that one. I was overdue to like drool over Jamie f- for like quite a while now. Like my fanboy hasn't shown for a while, but man, still Meyer Games. Love you guys. You're the best. And by you guys, I mean Jamie, because I think you're pretty <laughs> much the only guy there. <laughs> well, isn't there the, the stone guy too? Doesn't he do something? Yeah, I, I don't know what happened with him. Huh. I, I mean, I don't know if he's like too busy like calculating the maths to make the games work. Uh, and maybe. Jamie, and Jamie does the public relations. I don't know. Well, I mean, like, I know Stone and Meyer were, you know, Stone Meyer for Viticulture, but yeah. I don't know. Has he always co-designed with Stone? I don't... I don't think I don't so. Know. I think it's yeah, just that one. Right. I think so, too. So, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have, to have Jamie on the show and see what happened, if he bought him out, or if, if really, like, it was his wine expertise that he borrowed from, and that he actually owns, like, a, a vineyard in the south of Portugal, and him and Vidal play Lisboa all day. Turns out Stone really is Vital. That would be amazing. Oh, it's a pen name. <laughs> He's like, I will help you design this, but I will not put my name on it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I will, I will not put my name on this family filler trash. You put American name on this. Mike Stone. I don't know. What's the guy's name? I don't even know what Stone's I, name is. I don't know. It's Stone. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just call him. I'm sure people in his life call him Stony. I mean, everyone named Stone gets called Stony, right? So yeah, I think Matt Stone is from South Park. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I don't think that's the same guy. So like total diversion here. Like that's they're they're in the bad idea column too. They have this ad campaign where they're doing this hashtag cancel South Park. Like it's kind of hilarious to me. <laughs> they're trying to get themselves canceled. Well, like, I thought about it, and I was like, that's brilliant, because they're going to say something super (laughs) offensive to, like, some social justice group, and they're going to start a campaign that's hashtag cancel South Park. They're going to be like, ha, beat you to it. Like, you're going to all of our promos now. That is pretty funny, actually. (laughs) Those guys are pretty smart with what they do. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Jason, we've done about seven minutes of zany banter now, and about one and a half minutes of painful banter. (laughs) But I don't feel bad about it because this is this is the week when everyone's going over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house. That's so true. they have extra time in the car to listen to this podcast. Yep. But Jason, don't you dare 
talk about any board game company that has curse words in its name because this one's for the kids. This is for the children in the car to hear. I will not. I will try to ref- to you know control myself. <laughs> you better. <laughs> All right. And oh, by the way, um, we know we hooked you with this really clever title of our top five favorite games of 2018, but we're changing it up. We're doing our top 50 children's games for children four and under. Jason, Jason, your silence there <laughs> tells me I've sprung too many ideas on you in the past that you might think I'm serious right now. Yeah, I maybe have one of those. I could do a top one, maybe. I go ahead, do it. Um, Dragon's Breath. Wrong. Hi ho, Cherio. Uh, no, I played that. That game's garbage. It's basically counting, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to stop now just long enough for a bumper to play and for us to get this show back on track here. All right. So I managed to find a couple pieces of news in the Kickstarter world that I thought was interesting. Kickstarter's that, kinda... what, that wasn't easy. I mean, honestly, Jason, no. like that was difficult this time of year. It really, it's super slow and there's garbage games on there, but I did find two that seem okay. So the first one I found is called Stonehenge in the Sun, and it's by Itten Games, which they also published Tokyo Highway, which is pretty popular this year. It's that little game where you're putting cars on like popsicle sticks and trying to, you know, make paths to score points. So what this game is, is there's a metal ball that somehow you suspend ab- above you. I don't know if it comes with a pole that you tie the ball to, but you're taking this ball and you're swinging it through this target. But before you swing it, you have to build a piece of stone hinge. So you're trying to swing it. The other player will catch it, and then they're going to swing it back to you. You're trying to make sure you're trying to get as many pieces of stone hinge built as you can without knocking them over. If you knock one over, you take it, and it's going to be a negative point at the end of the game. So whoever has the most pieces of stone hinge is the loser. That's the whole game. You're going to swing this little metal ball and try not to knock down stone hinge. So if you're into that, you have 28 days to go check it out on Kickstarter and help it fund. Uh... Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thoughts too. But <laughs> so, Jason was was Kickstarter slow, or was <laughs> well, I mean, that that company is pretty popular. Like Tokyo Highway, and there's like a whole Tokyo series. They've done pretty well, so I figure this one will probably follow in the same line. So I wanted to be on top of it and mention it before other people. So there we go. Hey, you did that. Mission accomplished, bud. Yep. So we'll see. It might be terrible. And that's fine. But at least I mentioned it on our mediocre podcast. Well, I think like I looked at this too, and I think the things you're not mentioning that make it a little bit more interesting than what you're talking about is that you have to actually like anchor this to your like rafters and your ceiling because the metal ball weighs 75 pounds. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Like it's, it's a metal bowling ball, <laughs> and the Stonehenge pieces are like almost life size. So that's pretty cool too. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of car- kind of weird to call it a board game when you've got to play it in the gymnasium. But I mean, whatever. <laughs> It's like tetherball meets a board game. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I, okay, but but let's okay. <laughs> this is crazy, but okay, listen. Uh uh publisher of this in Tokyo Highway, listen to me clearly right now. If you make a giant size con version of this, patent pending. Right now, what I just said, I'm mailing myself this podcast to get a patent on this. So um <laughs> If you do make a giant size of this, I don't care. It's fine. Just let me play, okay? That's all. Don't make me pay event tickets. Just let me play for free, and you can have this idea. There. I said it. I said my piece. Bring on the 75-pound metal ball. (laughs) Meanwhile, you don't catch it. It pops you in the face, and you die. Yeah, I don't know if I want to play that. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like uh, Stonehenge and the Sun brought to you by Dr. John Wellington, DDS. And he's like going to fix your teeth as you like <laughs> playing the game. Yeah. This thing smacks you in the face, knocks all your teeth out. It goes from a nice little family game to something a little more tragic. Yeah. To the, um, what's the guy? Oh, shoot. Why can't I think of his name? You do that thing where I think of half an idea and I, I, I try and like on the air think of the rest of it. Yeah. Doctor, doctor, what's his name? What's the board game publisher that's Doctor something? Uh, Dr. Finn. Dr. Finn. Dr. Finn home stitches kit comes free with Stonehenge in the sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's scary. Maybe that'll happen. We'll see. We'll check out 2019 if it's slow. If 2019 slow, that game will become a reality. I have a feeling. That's awesome. Um, that that's a really solid prediction, Jason. But <laughs> you know what I really would love to see in 2019? A game about fences. That would be really awesome. That would be awesome. Well, do I have a game to talk about to you? There is a game on Kickstarter now as well called Fences, a tile laying what? game. What? <laughs> yeah. It's by Adam Collins of Bearded Board Games. It has 24 days left on Kickstarter. And what this game is, from all that I could tell, is it looks like Carcassonne, the way you play it, but someone's going to own this farm, so they're going to put one of their meeples out on the farm, and then whoever completes the farm by placing tiles, so say you're making like a pin of pigs, so say you place the fourth tile down to complete that pin, the owner's going to get points for the pin, and the person who completes the pin is going to get points. And it seems like that's the only way you score. It's a simple little light tile laying game. With a cool farming theme because farming themes haven't been done to death already. So if you're into that, you have 24 days to go check it out. Man, I should make a farming game. <laughs> Flash forward five years in the future. My prototype is getting published. <laughs> uh, that's a little joke that is so inside that like me and two other people know it because I'm making a farming game right now. But it's not on Kickstarter yet. If it was, it would be, man, it'd only be more finished than half of them on there. So I don't want to do that. It's been play tested like four times. So like I know it is Kickstarter ready, but I want to make sure it's really Kickstarter ready. <laughs> All you gotta do is throw some minis in it. Million dollars. Heck yeah. Some little mini tractors, little mini cows, maybe a little farmer, some buckets. Some, Here's my some thought. Corn. If, I, if I ever try to get it published, yes, tons of minis for sure. A hundred percent. And like it's gonna change from being um like typical nineteen fifties farmers wearing overalls. Into like Xena farmers wearing metal bikinis, so like that's definitely got to be how my meanies look. And and then the other piece too is I'm just gonna like call up every designer. I'm gonna be like, hey Eric Lang, do you want to be a co-designer on this? Because I'll just put your name in the box, like just to have it there. Cool, you're in. Awesome. Hey Jamie, you down? Cool. Vidal, I know you're not a minis dude, but can I throw your name on this box? Like it means money for you. Can I just do that? Yeah, for sure. Bruno, um, Bruno, Bruno and Bruno. Can I do this? Yeah, yeah, dude, it's in. So like this game would be like we are the world of board game designs. Like it has every designer's name on the front of it. That would be awesome. Well, except for it's a scam. Well, it's fraud. No, it's fraud it, and it means I go to the nasty man jail for a while. But I mean, other than that, it's awesome. Yeah, other than that. I mean, as long as people don't find out, you're fine. Jason, is this the zadiest <laughs> episode we've had in a week or it, two? It could be, yes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Well, let's save some of the zany for later. So let's go to the next segment and talk about some games we played. Jason, don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. You know why I'm so excited? Because Santa is coming in like 96 hours or something, okay? Oh, and that's, Santa that is Santa is bringing me Council of Four, okay? And that's all I care about. Do you know that for sure? Well, yes, because <laughs> on your Amazon wish list, like you click on it and it says someone may have bought you this game. Do you want to know? And you go... Yes, I want to know. And he goes, yep, somebody bought you this. <laughs> yep, somebody bought it. 
<laughs> nice. So, Council of Four, coming my way. I'm looking forward to playing that bad boy. Um, no, I, I I looked at Kickstarter too. Let's get real serious here for a minute, Jason. <laughs> All right. Like, I looked at Kickstarter too, and it's just dead right now. But like some of the stuff on there is just like, oh man, are we really going that way with this stuff? Like cards with like amiibo chip readers in them that you can program your like cards like as if using a QR code with like Keyforge isn't enough. Now we have to like program our individual cards into our Nintendo Switches, and I don't know, man. It's just weird. The hybrid age of board games is coming quickly, and we're gonna see technology jumping in on this stuff like crazy. That's my prediction. The next thing is gonna be. Computers are running our board games for us, and it could be okay, but if it's a gimmick, well, then you know what? I'll just stick with my old-fashioned analog. So, I don't know. That's uh, that's it. The other thing, too, is like some of the overtop components to try and sell stuff. Like I think you've been raving about this or raging about it, maybe is a better way to say it, for a long time. Like There's a board game on there right now that's like 90 bucks. It has like 16 tiles in it, four cards and like five pawns and three die. And it comes in a wooden box. It's like hand carved. It's like 90 bucks. It's like, and it's, it's funded. I mean, like the thing's funded and it has a lot of backers getting that wooden box. So it's like, I don't know, man, is that a collector's item or is that something you're really excited to play? And it's like basically a roll and move game. So yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Just make a good game. I just want a good game. No gimmicks. You don't even have to have fancy components. Make a good game and I'm in. I just want a good game. I was game I was promised back in October. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. That would be really nice too. Well, whatever. <laughs> I guess it's time to talk about what we played and spoiler, we're we're not playing as many games as we got busy in the Christmas season here. But please don't skip skip it, because it's gonna have some very good fun jokes in it. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. All right, so I played uh, one game. Actually, I played a couple, but I'm going to talk about one. Uh, and that game is about whaling in Massachusetts. And this game is called New Bedford. So this is, if you're not familiar, it's a worker placement game for half of the game. And then it's a drawing chips out of a bag to kind of push your luck for the second half of the game. So you're using your workers to go out and build buildings, to collect resources, to collect food, and to launch your ships out into the ocean so you can go whaling. Then once everybody's placed their two workers, then you go over to the whaling board. You're going to reach into the bag, draw out the number of whales. that There will be like, say there are three boats, you're going to draw the number of boats plus one. And then whoever's the farthest back gets first pick at the whales. And then... You're going to go like that until everybody returns home from the sea, and then you have to pay for the whales that you got. That's the whole game. So you want to make sure that you're collecting enough money to pay for these whales. Otherwise, you have to sell them for half price, and the person to your left can buy them from you and score a pile of points. It's um, a full game, but it plays in the length of a filler, which I think is kind of nice. So if you want a game that feels like a two-hour game but plays in 45 minutes, definitely check out New Bedford. That's cool. Um I know a couple of things about this game. Um, it's about whaling. Yep. It has an expansion. Yep. The expansion and the base game cannot fit in the same box. That's what yep. I know about this game. That is correct. All of that is correct. Did you play with the expansion? No, I just played base. I think I used one piece of the expansion, but I'm not sure. I might use some of the extra buildings or something. But yeah, I just wanted to get a feel for it while I was playing it. So even without the expansion, I thought it was fun. So, so, so this is one that people can find like in those bargain sales for a pretty good price would you suggest it oh yeah for sure 
I enjoyed it, and it's fast. It was a fun game, and it, it flew by, and I was like, man, I, I could keep playing this because I'm having a good time. But so, yeah, I liked it a lot. So when you told me it plays in the amount of filler time, but it's a full game, like the thing I got worried about is like every Marty Wallace game, we call him Marty now because we're dear friends. Because <laughs> we're tight. Like those games, they get wound up and then they end. You know what I mean? And like it feels like you can't accomplish everything you wanted to. And that's kind of a lot of Euro games, but I think like I think of that a lot with Martin Wallace games. It's like, hey, I got my engine established, or I'll have it done in one move, and oh, someone ended the game. Like the abruptness, I mean, the shortness of this game. Does it mean like an abrupt ending, and it doesn't feel satisfying, or do you feel like you got to do everything you wanted to do in that amount of time? No, if it feels like you did everything you need to do, because at the end, even at the last round, you get to keep whaling until your ship returns home. So say you're five spaces back in the ocean, you get to keep playing the whaling phase until your boat returns home. So it's not like it just ends. You know that the end's coming, so you have sufficient time to plan for it. So I liked it. Well, cool. Um, I don't think I've ever really had this one on my radar. I've had New England on my radar, but not New Bedford. Um, But I think I may have to play this one if I get a chance. It sounds like it's my kind of game. Fairly heavy. Uh, feels like you're being productive in building something, but happens in a quick amount of time. That's a pretty cool combination. Yeah, the heaviness is pretty much just in decisions. It's not, I mean, it's not a heavy game. So just deciding what you want to do with your two guys and being restricted is where the the challenge comes in. Sure. Uh, Jason, I played um, over the weekend, I played PETA and the, and the can of paint challenge. Um <laughs> All this game is is where you go out and you take your can of paint and you spray paint all the copies in New Bedford because it's so inhumane that you're killing whales, Jason. Yeah. It's a game. Yeah, and people had to do that for a living and, like, for food to survive. Right, yeah. I mean, it's historic. It's not like they're glorifying it. They're just talking about what actually happened. Yeah. Come on, guys. It's not like he's, you know, like, doing this in 2018 in a zoo. Yeah. Come on, guys. (laughs) We We don't need blubber anymore. Get off Jason's back. All right, guys. Gosh. <laughs> it's okay. All right, Jason. I listen, I can't do it. I gotta talk about three games. All right. I'm gonna talk I'm gonna talk about three games, Jason. Don't try and stop me. Go for it. Uh, Jason, I know you always try and stop me and cut me off and don't <laughs> let me say stupid stuff. So I'm gonna talk about three games. Here I go. All right. I played the eight bit box, which is three games. Bum bum bum. I'm I'm, sh- I'm shaking my head. You can't see it, but I'm shaking my head. Uh Jason. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk about all three games now. All right. Uh, no, 8BitBox is a gaming system. I have a review of, up on, review of it up on YouTube. Um, this one's from Yellow. It's, uh, it's a different thing, man. I don't know. Um, it wasn't totally my cup of tea, but I can understand the reason for it, or I can understand uh, why people might like it. There's three little games in there. They're all very different games. One is Pixoid, which is this little Pac-Man clone where you play as either a ghost or Pac-Man. But don't you dare say Pac-Man or Ghost, because the Atari man will come and get you and take your money. <laughs> yes, so it's he called, will. It's called Pixoid. Um, so uh, Pixoid's a cool game, though. It's not bad. You and the whole the whole game series has at the root of it these little controllers with dials on them, where you can like do hidden selection of either like a symbol or a movement or a mount. But it's basically you just try and get your guy to intersect Pixoid's path on the same turn or collide with Pixoid, and you capture him. And there's twelve rounds. Uh, per turn. Um, so everyone plays as Pixoid, everyone plays as a ghost uh, a few times, and every Pixoid gets 12, 12 movements. And every time you do a successful movement without getting captured, you get a point. 
And whenever the ghosts catch you, they get the rest of the 12 points. So if we go six rounds, you get six points as Pixoid. The ghosts would get the other six points that they share. Plus, there's these other bonus bigger sugar cubes that Pixoid can get, kind of like on um, that unspoken Atari game that happened a long time ago, where you could get bigger white dots instead of the smaller white dots. But the bigger white dots are worth more points. So, um, or worth worth additional points, I guess. Um, so that is Pixoid. The next one's called Outspeed. Um, this one's like basically a racing game where you're picking, it's like, it feels a little like happy pigs cause these cards slip over and you're making a secret choice on which one of these columns of this card you want to have happen for your little pod racer. Um, and it's all hidden selection. And there's sometimes where like, it says two people, like only two people can pick this. And if more than two people pick it, then nobody gets to do this thing, but the other column still goes. So it's kind of a push your luck, like play the other players kind of thing. But also, like, you get these little secret things that you can time out. You have to balance how fast you're going with the amount of fuel you have left. Um, and there's magic fuel that you can get in the middle of the race to keep refueling. So um, it's just kind of an interesting game with secret action selection off these cards. A little like Happy Pigs, a little like every other racing game I've played. Um, perfectly fine. Probably the weakest of the three games in the three in the series. And then the best one that comes in the... So I don't know if I explained this very well, but these three modules come in this big box. So you get to play these three games within one box. So you pay for one game. It has three modules that are three different games in it. And then some of the components are shared throughout through all three games. Um, and it looks like an old 8-bit like, video game console. The third one is called Stadium. And it's like a track and field game kind of, but it feels a little more like Mario Party or something because you're playing in two teams and you're doing these little goofy like mini games that are all kinds of different, just little mini games that you're playing where you do just kind of crazy stuff like um, the high jump or the pole vault is like the, you have a certain amount of energy you can spend throughout all the events. And once you deplete your energy, you really aren't a competitor anymore for your team. So like, it's like almost like a reverse auction. Like it starts off at like 12 and like you can be like, yeah, I'm going to jump over it at 12 and spend 12 energy to do it. And then you get the gold medal for that event. But you're like, ah, I don't think I want to spend 12 on it. I don't think anyone else will spend 12 on it. So I'm going to wait till it goes down to nine or maybe seven or six. And so it's like the auction thing is like reversed. Like it keeps going down. But the first person to jump over, it gets the gold and the bronze and the silver. And there's a bunch of games kind of like that where it's like all the players compete to try and get the top three prizes or some of them are only one prize. Um, but the other kind of cool thing in this game in the stadium game is there's like a bunch of rounds of games. Then there's like final rounds, which are a little more complicated or a little more like involved in probably better games. And there are these rest stages. And so on the rest stages, like you're spending this energy the whole time and you need to re you need to regain energy. So during the rest stages, you can either play it safe and gain two energy or you can dope and the picture of the guy is like he's like full of syringes like he's doping and like if you dope you get six energy but if the other team picks investigate then you get no energy and you lose one of your medals because like you got caught cheating so it's got kind of a cool rock paper scissors thing going on there too um just a bunch of little cool little mini games in that one and that one's definitely on its own worth playing and, and having around the other two are fine um but i think this one's a good system for people who or like I travel and I want to take a game with me in the back of my car and take it to grandma's house and have several things to play. And it's a like lightweight, accessible family game kind of thing. I think they're all probably ages eight plus playable. Um, so it'd be fun for that. Um, for guys who like, like real heavy heroes and stuff like you, um, probably not, but I don't know. To each their own eight bit box. I think it runs like 30 ish bucks online too. So not bad. You get three little games for the price of three fillers or one regular game. So, Oh yeah. 
Yeah, that stadium one did look really cool. I watched your review and thought that of all of them, that one looked like the most fun for sure. So I'm with you on that. But that said, I think my assessment is it'll stand that it's not for Jason. Yeah, I I could tell that from watching. But I mean, it does seem cool for people who could be into that. I kind of like the rent pickings, you know, everybody's simultaneously revealing. I like that in game. So that was one thing that kind of drew me into that. Box. Yeah, it's definitely well thought out, and I think that there's a lot of promise for there to be other games in that system that will come out, because there's an expansion slot that doesn't have a game in it, so they're talking about other games already. So, I mean, like, I think that's cool, too. Um, I think it'd be really cool if they sold, like, boxes that are, like, half the height or half the width, and then you could put even more than three games in there or four games in there. So, I don't know. I think they'll just jam that thing full of little modules, and it'll be pretty cool. Um, I liked it just fine, though, and that's from Yellow. Cool. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. Um, I don't know. I think board game playing gets a little slow around Christmas time, too. I think that, like, I've I've had probably four board game meetups in the last two weeks that I've had to say, yeah, I can't do that. I've got a, you know, like, Christmas thing or school thing or work thing or, uh, weirdly enough, a funeral to go to. <laughs> but, like, um, like, I've just had stuff going on that I couldn't hang out and play board games very much so it's been kind of slim pickings for me um but i'm looking forward to those those lazy winter days when no one's doing anything but sitting around the the cozy fire or table and playing board games (laughs) yeah i don't want to play board games around a fire that might be bad but i'll sit around the table yeah for sure that is a part of the PETA game is that you burn whaling board games so (laughs) yeah i can see that I'll bet there's a PETA board game. I'll bet there is. Like, just board games are everywhere. I'll yeah. bet there's a, there's, a, there's a PETA game. It may not be called a PETA game, but there's an animal rights game for sure. It's probably got Monopoly on the end of it, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's true. Like, someone, there was a comedian who has a bit, and you should look it up. It's online. But his bit was about, like, how terrible of a game Monopoly is. He's like, you roll die, you go, you buy things, and you cause misery to other people. And he's like, worst case scenario, you go to jail. But what happens in jail? Absolutely nothing. Like, you still get to make lots of money until you yeah. bribe your way out of jail. So then you leave. And he's like, the worst thing that can happen to you in the whole game is you land on a space that makes you pay your taxes. He's like, how is this not like, yeah, it's true. I never thought about that it. That is it's, true. It's really yeah. true. Uh. So that was not my bit. That's some comedian who's pretty funny and I think the bit's way better than I just described it. So go go find it. But yeah. And then and then learn it and tell it to grandpa at Thanksgiving next year. Right. Or Christmas this year if you're really ambitious. True. But speaking of that, we need to talk about our top five uh favorite games of twenty eighteen. Okay, fine. We'll do it right after this bumper, I guess. So, Jason, last week we hit numbers 10 through 6 on this countdown, and that was, I mean, that was fine, but really those games, they pale in comparison to what we're going to talk about today. We are going to move right on up to numbers 5 to 1. These are the best games from 2018 that we experienced. Um, I, I mean, I'm not positive they're the best games ever of all time or anything, but um, I think they're really good games. And I've looked at your list a little bit. Um, no surprises to me now. Surprising when I first looked at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be surprised once you know what's coming up. <laughs> but no, I, I, uh, number five. I mean, like, I, uh, man, I'll let you get right to your number five, but I was really surprised by it that it was as high as it was. Yeah. So my number five is 
the f- second game or first game in the trilogy that this company is doing. It's this game. It was Cavern Tavern, and now it's Robin Hood and the Merry Men. And this game is Rise to Nobility. So this is a dice placement game where you're trying to fulfill contracts and just score a pile of points. I liked it. I'm a sucker for dice worker placement, so I think that's part of the reason why it made the list so high. It has really nice components. It was really fun to play. It had a cool mechanism where if you don't have if you're not up on a certain space on your own player board, you can't use all the pips on your dice sometimes, and I think that's kind of interesting. So had a few cool things I liked. I love dice placement, so Rise of Nobility is my number five. I kinda liked how you can go about anywhere with it. Um, but if your die is more powerful, like you get higher levels at the same placement. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. there's like accumulating like workshop thing. That's kind of cool. Um, other than that, this game isn't a ton different from like a lot of other dice placement games out there. I don't think it does anything like incredibly new and inventive, um, but it does everything really well. Uh, the only thing that I think I've mentioned before that I didn't care for on this game is that bottom right hand corner where you just basically buy points kind of feels a little gimmicky. It feels like it's a lot of work to get like just a few little points too. Um, I guess, I don't know. I'm not remembering it a hundred percent cause I didn't play it in the last two months or so, but that bottom right hand corner area where you just like, I don't know, just kind of felt a little tacked on. Other than that though, it's a really good game. Yeah. I never used that bottom thing when I played, it was just there for take up space on the board or something. I don't know. That's pretty funny. Um, that's kind of how I felt about it too. Like I was just, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a strategy to taking that stuff and it would make you more competitive, but I was just so interested in doing all the other fun stuff that I went and did it instead. Right. Yeah. So I agree. This is one where I would recommend a non deluxe edition over the deluxe edition because the deluxe edition die are just not that awesome. I mean, they're, they're ornate and cool looking, but they're not practical. So, um, I don't know. I think that this one, if you can get just a base game, grab it. Uh, if you find a deluxe edition Kickstarter mega awesome deluxe edition, cool, go for it. But just know that those die in there are pretty pretty decked out, but makes them kind of tricky to read a little bit. Um, not horrible. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. But yeah, I would agree. Just some regular dice would be would be sufficient. Did you have the weird looking like I have to look twice at these die when you played? Yeah, my buddy had the the full deluxe version, so he had all the like fancy shaped uh, resources and. The board that was nighttime on one side, I think, too. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that nighttime changes the rules a lot, but there is a variant that is included in there. So that's worth thinking about, too, I guess. Right. But yeah. yeah. Well, cool. This is one, Jason, my number five is one that I had a lot of buyer's remorse about right when I bought it. Like I bought it the first day at Origins because I was afraid it was going to sell out. And then I was like, I just spent what on what? <laughs> so um, that was Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. Um, I was like, kind of. I don't know. I was kind of like, oh, I can't believe I spent this kind of stacks on stacks buying this deluxe edition with like every expansion you can get. I got suckered. I got the carnival, the carnival sell of step right up and buy this now. And you'll only be able to get this deal now, uh, never again in your life. And I felt pretty bad about it. And I was kind of bummed about it. And then I realized it really was a good deal. And the stuff that I got for like 150 bucks, I think probably in the secondary market now is selling for quite a bit more than that. So um, no regrets there. Um, but I, uh, I really did like, um, 
Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. It felt like a pretty cool Civ building game. Has minis in it, so Jason will never play it. But it does have cardboard junk, too, so maybe he will play it. So um, a cool game, and it really is um, a tiny epic game grown up and made full-fledged, a big version of it. Um, It's pushing my number one Civ building, kind of Civ development game, uh, 4X type game, uh, being the best one. I really do like it a lot. Pretty neat game, and that's Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. Yeah, this isn't. I don't think this is in my my wheelhouse because it's got combat and all that mess. But it does look neat. I saw some people playing it. I can't, can't remember where I was, but I saw some people playing it, and it looked pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I don't hate it. It's just not for me. I know that. Surprisingly, not that much combat in it. I mean, like there is, but it's not a fight, fight, fight game. It has fighting in it, but it's and it's more than scythe. But um, it's like one of those games too where you hurt yourself enough and burn enough up when you fight that you don't really want to do it that much i mean so i don't know at least the way i've played so um i think it's cool i think it'd be worth playing once maybe for you but i don't think it is your thing for sure yeah that's cool uh so my number four is a game based on an edgar Allan poe book i mean in name only and i guess the theme but this is the mask of the red death this is a game that came out this year from i believe idw and this is a game where players are playing as a character from the book and they're trying to figure out when the Red Death is going to hit this party that they're at. So there's going to be some different times that have some cards hidden in these piles. You're trying to play cards from your hand to figure out which time is missing so you know when the Red Death is going to hit each room. So he's going to hit each room in a certain order, but you don't know when. You don't want to be in the room and he shows up at that time or you die. So the more you know about where he's going to be and when he's going to be there, the better of the programming you can do at the end of the game to ensure that you're not in any of the rooms that he's going to be in. It's a cool game. It's a little mean because you can mess with other players and knock them back on the point track. But I had a great time playing it. The deduction was cool. The memory element's a little high. So if you're not good with memory, this may be a game that is not for you. But I dig it. And that is Mask of the Red Death. Got it. This cask of Amontillado board game. Oh, wait. No, dude, Flask of the Red Death. Dude, that movie's amazing. Flask of the Red Death. I love that movie. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Dude, Vincent Price is my my man. I've seen like all of his movies. I, I love him. That's a that's a book that my son read as a freshman in high school, and I was like, that's intense, man. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> bricking people up and stuff. I don't know. That's pretty intense. It is a little intense. The movie's really good, though. And then, like, after he read it, he was like, hey, Dad, I've got a really cool and rare board game in the corner of my bedroom. Do you want to go go see it? And I was like, wait a minute. I know what's going to happen to me if I go in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. This was a really hard list to put together, Jason. There's a lot of good games that came out this year, for sure. Yeah, um, I agree. Anyway, uh, last game, Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea, I know wasn't your thing. My number four game, though, is clearly your thing. Um, Empires of the Void 2, a game that has combat and happens in space, is definitely your thing. Uh, I know you love it so much. I'll let you go ahead and just talk about it, Jason, because I know it's... it's. Oh, never mind. Um, that's a very good joke that I just made, because Jason hates those things. <laughs> yeah. I asked for this game for Christmas time, actually. Did you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that was a very good joke, too. Uh, it's a really good game. It's got action selection that is at the basis of it. Um, it's got a really fun component for it too. Like it's got a pretty absurd like action selection component. It's like a one inch plastic 
rod that's like three inches long that you stick on top of like the action you're picking. Um, it's just a cool game. You're settling planets, um, trying to put things into different orbits and stuff. And you do have combat with like, you know, uh, different forces and stuff in the game, but it's a pretty neat game. Action selection is a fun mechanism. This one is really different than the first game. Um, to me, I, I didn't know if this was going to be a streamlined version of the first game or just something different. And I'll put it in the it's something different category. It's a Red Raven Games game. Um, and you didn't hear a lot about this one. I almost wonder if this one would have done better if you wouldn't have called it Empires of the Void 2 and rather called it like something else um, that happened in the same universe, you know? So um, I think the fact that it was a sequel board game was kind of weird, but I really did like this game a lot. My son says it's his favorite game of all time. So, um, wow. Or near it or near it. He said Dennis Riley might be it now, but, um, he didn't have to put the game away. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but he really liked this game a lot. And I did too. Um, uh, it's a little long and it has combat in it. Um, I think Jason, it's going to be one that I won't bring to our board game meetups cause you won't be too in a, into it, but it's with the right crowd, a really fun game, really enjoyed it. Uh, a little expensive. Um, but I think worth it. There's a lot of good components in the box. That was Empires of the Void 2. Yeah, that's cool. I definitely need to play a Red Raven game because I haven't played one yet. So this probably wouldn't be the one, but I definitely want to play probably near and far or above and below or something here soon. The one I would say to you, Jason, that you should play based on like what I know about your tastes, I would say Artifacts Inc. is one that you would really, really enjoy because it has dice placement in it. Right. And I think another one you would really enjoy is Above and Below. I actually think you'd like Above and Below better than Near and Far because Near and Far has more more thematic things and storytelling kind of things in it. Whereas I think Above and Below has got the more interesting like mechanics in it with how you collect sets of things and they score differently. And you kind of have to account for like the rarity of these things, but also you want them to score better. Um, so I think you might like Above and Below better than Near and Far. You might be in that rare minority population. But yeah, I, I think Red Raven games are all really rock solid. And so, I don't know, Jason. Yeah, you should play one. Yeah, that's cool. I will eventually. All right, so my number three, I was trying to put another game on here, but then I looked it up on Board Game Geek and realized it really came out in 2017. So that game was going to be Demon Worker, but since it didn't come out in 2018, I nixed it. So I'm going to make my number three, Symphony Number no. 9, which is from Moa Ideas Games. I still don't think this game's out in America. It's only in Taiwan. Me and Tom Vassell have the only two copies, I believe, in America. So if you want to play it, sorry. Uh, this is a an economic game where you're uh, making these classical musicians more famous by taking cubes off of them. You're going to use these cubes to get favor from them, which are like stock certificates. And then you're going to use your performance tiles that you got to perform a concert. And if you have the certain colors based on a bidding round, you're going to get a certain pile of cash for however many of each of those cubes you have left. It's a simple game, but it has a lot of thinky decisions that you have to do to make sure that you have the appropriate cubes and you're not putting all your money into one basket. And I like it. It's a good economic game. So if you're into that, Symphony Number no. 9, and if you can get it. So good luck with it. I had a chance to play this with you and didn't take it, um, which I kind of bummed about. But it's a pretty quick game too, right? Yeah, it was like 45 minutes, I think. Not too bad. Cool. My number three, Jason, is not a quick game. Um, it's a very, very long game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and if it wasn't quite as long as it is, I think I'd like it better. Um, there's just a lot to explore in this game. 
without even expansions, I don't feel like you play the full game when you play it. Like there's certain guilds you aren't even going to experience. Um, and combat is technically a thing in there, but when you're playing at lower player counts, spreading out isn't a problem. So um, this game is Feudum. I really liked it. It's pretty heavy. It's maybe the heaviest game I played this year. And that includes some Lacerda games and stuff like that. It's just a very heavy game. Um, there's just a lot of thinking you have to do. Um, you're picking cards to like kind of program your actions you're going to take, but then you play them down in whatever order you want to in the next phase. And then you are constantly pushing and pulling is kind of the mechanism in these guilds to try and get them to trigger and fire and shoot off each other so that you can build up your presence on this map. So there's just all these different things going on together. Um, This was put out by Oddbird Games. Mark Swanson, I think, was the name of the designer. Kind of cool. Really great quality. Really interesting art. Very intriguing art. Um, And all this from a game that a company that I believe this was their first offering as a company. So um, pretty cool game. I really like it. I think this is one that I would really love to play with you in spite of the fact that there can be a little bit of combat in there. Um, But the combat, I'm telling you, I mean, if we play it with two or three, we're not going to see a lot of combat, Jason. So uh, this game, though, is Feudum. Um, Really liked it. Yeah, I definitely want to play this. This is one of those games that you brought to the last gaming day, and I I don't know, I wanted to play it, but then I was thinking, man, I don't want to sit through an hour worth of learning rules. So that's my only hang-up on this is I just it just has such a huge learning curve that yeah, <laughs> it keeps me away. And we both knew how to play Lisboa prior to putting it up, so it made more sense to do that one. No regrets, but maybe this one will get to the table when we do a, a online learning seminar first about it. <laughs> Before we get together. Right, yeah. That's the only way to do it, I think. Well, I mean, it's been a while since I played this game. It's been six weeks since I played it. Ah, maybe more like eight. And I would feel like I needed to do a pretty decent rules polish on it because everything makes sense once you get the big picture of it, but there's still little things in there that you've got to figure out, wait, how did that work again? Um, Just a neat game. There's just a lot in it, man, for sure. So um, it is one that... I think if you only got to play with somebody four or five times a year like you and I do, it may not be on the top of the list, but I, I really do like it. Uh, Feudum. Oh, man, we're into the top two here, Jason. This is uh, this is getting pretty serious here. Oh, yeah. This is a game I've been, uh, this game that I'm about to talk about, I've been preaching since Origins. And yeah, I, that's it. And I love it. That's, that's it, number two. I mean, uh, that's. I mean, I'm saying that it's your number two. That's <laughs> it's your number two. Yeah. So this game is called Caper, and it is a reprint of an older game. I don't know if it's super old, but it, it was out before called It's Mine, but it wasn't available in America. Keymaster brought it to America, and this game is incredible. It's a two-player game. They're saying they're, it's three and four, but no, don't ever do those. Just play it as two. Um, it's a two player drafting game, which is actually really cool because most of the time drafting doesn't work with two. So you're drafting these cards. You're trying to get thieves to go to these three locations. You're trying to equip these thieves with equipment so they can do better than your opponent on the other side. You're trying to make sure that you can collect some sets because you get points for certain kinds of sets. So it's a set collection drafting kind of game and I love it. So caper is my number two, probably my favorite drafting game. So I'll I'll say that. I need to play this one still. Um, looks really cool, though, and it's pretty cheap to get, so I might just have to jump and buy a copy of this. Um, I do play with two fairly often. 
So I think I'd enjoy it. Um, and you have been just rock, rock steady saying this one's great all year. So uh, Caper, definitely cool. Um, and if you were lucky enough to be one of our fans a few weeks ago, months ago, you might have gotten a copy of this. So uh, if you were the one lucky person who got the giveaway. So that was cool that we got to do that this year with the uh, Board Game Mechanics uh, brand here. Um, so Jason, my number one... Uh, I don't know why I just said my number one. My number two. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't think we're on number one yet. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it'll make more sense why I might have jumped to number one <laughs> in a little bit here. But my number yeah. my number two is, uh, man, people say this all kinds of ways. I'm going to say Coimbra is what I'm going to call it. Um, it's, it's a very cool game. It's a dice drafting, dice spending placement engine building kind of tableau building travel around a map and get good kind of game um it's just really cool and i think you i think you said it well when you said there's two phases the first phase and it's not like formal phases really even it's just like at the beginning you really don't care about the color of your die at all you just need good values and then by the end of the game you don't even care what the pips say because you really really care about not drafting a purple die or whatever so um because of how the game evolves so it's just a neat game and how you draft a different die it's got the cool little like castles you put the die in to keep track of them which i thought was kind of clever um just a cool game um components are great on it really nice art and it's just a fun game to play and it's it's just the right weight to just kind of challenge you but not cripple you in your brain for me at least at this point so uh i really like that game jason hated it unfortunately so we won't hear him talk about it on this show but that was coimbra for me so jason what was your number one yeah i i like your number two that's a good one um so my number one i'm gonna say you hated it <laughs> You're right, I do hate it. So my number one is not Coimbra, it's Coimbra. I like Coimbra. Oh, they're different games yeah, for sure. They're different for games. sure. <laughs> they're different games for sure. So yeah, this is uh I mean the best way that I can describe it, it's like Orleans meets like Grand Austria Hotel. You have a map that you're traveling around, but you're also doing some cool dice uh drafting and some card collection. So it's a medium weight game, probably. It's beautiful to look at it has great colors the board is awesome uh yeah the little castle thing like you said earlier that you put your dice in are amazing so this is my number one game by far in 2018 and i really like it this is the one i was the most excited about when i heard it was coming out so i had to make it my number one for the year and that is coimbra very similar to coimbra um (laughs) yes very similar yeah i mean like yeah unless you're from that region i'm not sure if you can say it right yeah, probably not. <laughs> I, I really liked it a lot. Uh, so much that it got my number two. Uh, I will not fight you on that. I think it's our only crossover, Jason. Yeah, I think it is. Which will be the same thing on our top 100 coming out in January here. We'll only have one crossover game. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> in our top three, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, I I had one game that I did like a little better than this one. Um, and I don't think you would have liked it better if you played it, but that's Australia from Martin Wallace. It's crazy. Some of the stuff Martin Wallace is making nowadays, it just doesn't feel like Martin Wallace games. Um, and this one's amongst them. It has train laying and stuff, but it's like you're fighting Cthulhu beast the whole time and trying to defend a camp. And it's just a cool game of kind of action selection, putting cards into your 
into your tableau in front of you to get their benefits, just picking different actions, spending resources and trying to improve a network of train tracks so you can go fight monsters better. Um, and it's got like a semi-cooperative thing on it too, where if you don't fight the monsters well as a, as a player base, the monsters are going to win um, because they get points at the end of the game based on the value of, of them. Um, so if you don't do well as a whole group and you mess each other up pretty bad, then you both can lose, but you really want to try and beat everybody else. So it feels a little like legendary or something like that a little bit where it's like you want other people to do well, but not that well. So um, it's a cool game, Australia. Um, I really do like it. It's in the great designer series uh, from Stronghold Games and designed by Martin Wallace, like we said before. Martin Wallace had a big year this year, but this one really, really liked it, Australia. Um, it's pretty recent to me too, so it might have a touch of the cult of the new kind of stuff going on. But at the same time, our number two game, which I won't even pronounce right now because it's I, Queenbra is how I say it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's I don't know. It's still pretty new too. Um, so I don't know. I, I like this one a little better. It's just kind of got a fun theme to it, a fun just balance of Euro and fighting and just, I don't know, a cool game, Australia. Yeah, that's a cool number one. I mean, Martin Wallace is... He's been knocking it out of the park. He has that Wildlands game. It's like a minis game, which is crazy for him to do that. Right. He's got this game. And I think there was a, uh, the Lincoln game. He put that one out. Yeah, he's been knocking it out of the park this year. So, yeah, this is a great number one. I, I would like to play this one once just to see how it works. Might be a little too fighting heavy for me, but it looks cool. I think you'd like it. Um, and you don't fight each other. You know, that's the other kind yeah, of nice that's, thing. That's true. That's true. So, uh some games that we noteworthy left, like noteworthily, noteworthily, I, I don't know, is that a word? Uh, some games that we left off the list that people are probably like, what? Why didn't that make the list? Um, let's just go through these real quick and just talk about why they didn't make the list. Rising Sun didn't make the list because I haven't played it. I think I'd really like it, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I think the negotiating stuff in that really would be cool. I would really like it. Jason would hate it because it's minis and fighting. So um, yep. that's one I don't think you'll ever play, Jason, if I had to guess. Nope. And it, co- um, it costs an ungodly amount of money. So, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, it's getting reasonable, but like MSRP is 100 bucks. You can get it for 60-ish now. Um, but still, that's that's a lot for a game that you're going to hate. Um, Root is another one. This is one that I think both of us have been kind of put off a little bit by. Um, by the fact, one, that it's like above MSRP price right now. But two... Um, it, it has that asymmetrical thing. So it's like you have to explain the game five times to people um, from what I understand. Maybe not quite as bad as Vast, but kind of the same idea that what keeps Vast from the table might keep Root from the table um, from my understanding of it. Um, but I would love to play this one. I think at least once I've seen people have a good time with it. It looks kind of neat. All the factions like being as different as they are. Pretty cool, I think. Um, but I don't know. Root's one that I haven't played yet. And I don't think you've played it either, have you? Nope. I like Vast a lot, so I, b- I would like to play this one once, but I think this one's more um, more like a, a war-type game, actually, disguised as a cute little furry animal game. So I don't know if it's actually for me. Lords of Hellas, uh, a minis game, like a combat arena kind of game, um, as far as I know. Um, I don't think Jason be into it. I'm not super into it either. Uh, nope, I'm out. Thoughts? No, it's not. I mean, it looks cool, but yeah, it's not for me. Yeah, plastic dudes on a piece of cardboard. Uh, definitely looks nice. And a lot of people love this game. I know. I'm sure it has a lot of good quality gameplay to it. But, I, yeah, it's not my thing. Keyforge, haven't played it. Not sure I will either. Um, I'm not positive. I don't know. I only have so much time to play games. And um, 
I don't know. This one, this one to me, like feels like I could really suck a lot of time out of my game playing times, and I'm not sure that I would enjoy it a ton. Um, it's cheap. I mean, it's a pretty cheap game to get into by by card game like this standards. It's real cheap, um, but it's not super available yet either. So, like, I did. I will probably play it eventually, but I did hold off because I wanted to get the starter set, and the starter set's not available yet, and it's easier to learn with the starter set from what I hear, um, even though you can buy just decks of the cards right now. So that one, uh, Jason, that appeal to you at all? No, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. It's just, I don't know. I've, I'm not a huge card game fan, so that kind of just turns me off. I play so many card games for like Kickstarter reviews and stuff that, I don't know, I don't need to get involved in another one. Yep. Uh, City of the Gods, better known as Teotihuacan, uh, one that you and I just haven't had a chance to play yet. I'm sure that we both really enjoy it if we did get a chance. Um, I'm just, again, waiting for that final edition to come out so I don't have to play with the uh, prototype. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in on this one all day. This is right up my alley, so I can't wait to play this one. Um, Brass Birmingham is one that I put on my Christmas list, so I can't buy it. And I'm anxiously waiting Christmas to come, so I hopefully have it. But this is one that I am going to be so hyped to have. Um, and it would feel a little like cheating putting this on my list anyway because it is a really close relative to Brass, which is not a new game. Um, just this adds kind of like an ale element to it, I think, and some other kind of interesting things about the ports. Um, I've heard really great things about it. I look forward to playing it. Um, that's Brass Birmingham. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, like it's new and not ugly, so Jason won't play it. Yeah. No, I, I would give this one a try for sure. W- would you? Yeah. I think the beer. Cool. I think the beer thing is seems pretty neat. Yeah, welcome to almost made my list. It was in my number eleven. Um, really do enjoy that one. Um, another noteworthy game that didn't make the list, and it's pretty noteworthy. It didn't make the list because we're both kind of upset about it, and that's uh, Gugong. Did not get out to us yet this year. Oh yeah. Um, and like that's gonna be one that's gonna mess up on some awards and stuff for us if we keep our rules the way they are because yep. it'll be a technically a 2018 game but we won't see it till 2019 here in the states so um maybe we need to make a note of that so we can't put it in some things next year but there was a there was a kind of a mistakes were made situation there they wanted to fix before they sent them to us so we are looking at january before we get those but that's going to be one i'm positive if we got to play that one i'm pretty sure both of us would have it in our top three if i had to guess oh yeah for sure um, just based on what i've seen and what i think of it that game looks amazing and i can't wait to bust it out uh here's what i'm surprised neither of us have played to a degree at least architects of the west kingdom um that game's supposed to be pretty amazing and i know neither of us have really played it yet um have you played it no kim kim and jim have it but yeah i haven't gotten a chance to play it yet hopefully soon uh it's an expansion but rise of the fenris would have made my list um, if we did expansions, cause it really does make side a better game. Um, fireball Island is one that is, it had a lot of hype this year. I'm not into it, Jason. Um, just to be honest with you, I'm not into it. And I'm going to say it's because of this. I've seen a lot of people post pictures of fireball Island. I've seen a lot of people post about fireball Island. Not a single person has talked about the gameplay. Nope. It's always been like, look at this cool board, which is pretty much what was up with the last Fireball Island. <laughs> right, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It might be a cool game, but I just haven't seen people hyped about the gameplay yet. They're hyped about the components. Um, so Fireball Island. Um, Grim Forest almost made my list. That's a really good game. Um, pretty close. Um, yeah. Yeah, I got, I got a couple that I just wanted to mention really quickly. Uh, Railroad Rivals. That's a good game that... I thought about putting in my list, but the two-player game is subpar, so I left that off. Um, I also like Soul of the Empire a lot from Kara Games, but it's a little too fighting-heavy for me. But 
great game. And I also dig Palm Island, which is a solo game where you're holding the cards in your hand. That was pretty hot this year, and I really dug that one as well. Also on my list, stuff that we haven't mentioned that I do like, but just didn't quite make the list. Decrypto is an excellent party game. Very good. Um, part of the reason why I, like, I can mock Codenames now, because I think this game's better than Codenames to me. Um, Hail Hydra is a cool one. This is one that if it, if it came out in a world where Secret Hitler wasn't a game, would be very, very good to have. Very, very highly rated. But I don't feel like it does anything Secret Hitler doesn't do. Um, it's kind of cool because the theme isn't as offensive to people maybe. So this might be one you could get out with more, um, more particular or sensitive crowds about that Hitler thing. Um, Ticket to Ride New York is really good too. A very short 20 minute version of Ticket to Ride that feels pretty gratifying. Reef. Uh, I own it. I have played it a couple times. I just, I don't, it's fine. I just don't feel great about it. It's not a top 10 for this year game for me. I like it. I, th- I think that's a good game. Didn't make the top 10, though, did it, Jason? No, it's not top 10 worthy, but it's a good game, though. Yeah, it's it's perfectly fine, for sure. Um, Detective is another one, too, that's really good. It's an experience more than a game, so I don't know how to rate it quite yet. Um, I've only gone through the first scenario, too, and just, I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about it yet. I know that it's going to get more evolving and more uh, rich gameplay as we do more of the scenarios. But this is another one, too, that's like, I wanted to play this one with a certain group, and you need to kind of play with them all the way through, and that group doesn't get together very often, so it makes it kind of hard. So, um, I don't know. Those are some noteworthy games that came out this last year that didn't make our list, and kind of some reasons why, I guess. Um, what did we miss? What's your favorite? Uh, I, I, and I mean, like, that's go ahead and post over on Facebook and let us know that. Um, another one, Jason, that I think I've seen a ton about, and I could have backed it on Kickstarter. I think it's it's been fulfilled as um, that Reckholt or Rayholt, however you want to say it. Oh yeah, the Uve game. Yeah, it looks pretty neat, but I mean, like, I'm not sure about that one either. Um, Chronicles of Crime, did you get your copy of that one yet? Yeah, I was going to say, if I had played that game, it might be on my list, but I haven't gotten to play it yet. Yeah, I have it, and it's looking at me right now, but have yet to play. Newton might be another one, too, that, like, I think would maybe make the list, too, if we had a chance to play it. Oh, yeah, um, that game looks amazing. That's going to be one that I'm going to probably play someone else's copy before I buy one myself. Um, you know what's crazy that ended up being a 2018 game kind of snuck in here at the last minute is Treasure Island. That one fulfilled like six months early or something. Like people are starting to get their copies of it. Like, and I thought it was going to be mid next year is what the forecast was. I think so. That's pretty cool. That's that cool. one came out. Um, yep. so these are it was an interesting year for games. I'm not going to say it was like a touchstone of being an awesome game for years or awesome year for games. I think it was a fine year. I think there were a lot of really good things that came out. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think there's been other years that have been as good or better for sure. So um, I don't know. Maybe we missed your favorite game, though. Let us know on the Facebook page. And uh, I don't know. That's about all I've got to say, Jason. Yep. I'm tapped out, I think. Right on. Well, I've been Joel. And I'm Jason. And keep gaming. Keep gaming. Keep gaming.